Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to The Inevitable. This is Motor Trend's new podcast about the future of the automobile. I am Johnny Lieberman, the Senior Features Editor at Motor Trend, and I am joined every week by my co-host, Mr. Ed Lowe. That's me. I'm the Head of Editorial for Motor Trend, and boy, do we have an amazing list of guests that we're going to be chatting with. We've got the godfather of the environmental movement, Ed Bagley Jr. Derek Jenkins, a whole bunch of actors, celebrities, car-crazy folks, people from in and outside the industry. Can't wait for you to join us. We're talking about the future of the car. This means everything from electrified vehicles to cars that drive themselves. Come check us out. We're on podcastone.com or anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. We're also on motortrend.com and youtube.com slash motortrend. Hey guys, uh, big car cast this week. We're gonna mon- we're gonna recap some stuff from Monterey Car Week. We're gonna get into the Dodge announcements from Roadkill Nights. There's Definitely a lot. It's probably going to take several weeks to cover all of this stuff. But let's uh, go ahead and get started. But here's Geico. Do you own? Do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know it's easy? Bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Hey, guys. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, here with Bill Goldberg. How are you? Man, well, I, I saw. I put a new uh, title to my name. I'm a general contractor. <laughs> I, I saw that. I saw the post up on uh, on your Instagram. The garage is looking good. It's coming together. We've, uh, hey, you know, it's it's. I, I understand it'll be frustrating and exciting, all, kind of all at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's like a. It's like I, I'm bipolar. My garage makes me bipolar. <laughs> One second I'm ecstatic, the next second I want to rip someone's face off. It sucks. But, you know, progress. But, you know, the biggest thing I'm going to say is that it's just my luck that we've been in a drought here in Texas for God knows how long. And ironically, the day we start to pour concrete again, to get this thing finalized, yeah. boom, rainstorm. Just raids. I mean, just <laughs> raids. All the other shit. Just, like, I don't know what to do. We've been talking for months now going, hey, let's just get the structure built so you can do all the stuff you need to do on the inside, right? Just oh, yeah. get windows and doors up so you can 
you know, even when it gets cold, you can start getting stuff done on the inside. And then you're like, I know, but we got to pour concrete on the sidewalk outside of the building. And that's exactly when it rains. A week Absolutely. ago, that shit would have dried in 10 minutes. Easily. You <laughs> would have no been driving forklifts on it. rain anywhere near us. Yeah. Now, all week, 50% every day. Yeah. Please. It's all in the ground, and all that moisture is going to come up from underneath. It's going to be, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it'll, it'll. I, I mean, I get it. It'll get, it'll get, it'll get worked out. But listen, I you you posted the other day, and, and we got a glimpse of of the structure and the and the insulation and what's going on. And you see, you got a, a peek at the size and scope of this thing, and it. I mean. It, it looks like a hotel. It, 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 it ain't your it ain't your brother's barn dominion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, uh, demolition ranch. Matt Character, who's a buddy of mine, big influencer on YouTube and on all social media. Uh, he was building a garage at the same time, but his is you know that four sided metal structure, and he's ragging my ass. That yeah. mine's taking like a millennium to finish. Yeah, he's like, I'm done. I'm in there all the time. <laughs> Dude, this thing's like doing a freaking house. Yeah. It's worse than a house. It's doing a 16,000 square foot house. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, dude. I know things I never wanted to know. I really, I, you know, but. It's going to be it's gonna be cool as shit when it's done. It's, it's going to be awesome. Man. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, be awesome great. when it's done. And I talked and, to the cars yesterday and they're excited. <laughs> that's know, good. Just, that's good. And, and oh. you're going to end up making – a few little changes down the road, nothing major structurally or whatever, but you're going to get into it. You're like, I've been in it for six months now. And I realize, like, you know, this lighting needs to change or something here needs to change, or we need to move, you know, a refrigerator to the other side. Just once you start planning your ingress and egress and the flow of people and everything, like you'll, you'll make a couple little changes. I, 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 even my warehouse that I try to do everything modular, Toolbox, the the office shed, the gym, and all that. Uh, now, maybe I kind of got a little excited because everything was modular, but I've changed that shit up three times in eight oh, months. Yeah. In eight months, I've I've I was like, I'm I'm expanding it here, and I'm going to come out another foot. I'm going to order more tiles from Swiss Tracks. I've done like four orders from those guys. Going, oh, yeah. I'm going to add a little more here, and I'm going to go out a little here, and I'm going to change this up. <clears throat> So there's outlet, a, outlet locations for battery chargers, outlet locations yeah. for the 220 for the lifts. Uh, you know, the, unfortunately, the lifts, the motors on the lifts, the, the motors cannot be changed from post to post. They're affixed, right? Yeah, now, right, you can right. change at the factory and redo all the internals, but I'm not going to ask Benpack to do that by right. any stretch. Convenience issue for me. So now I have to walk by the HVAC system and squiggle my way my big fat ass in there to work the motor you know i mean there's bigger fish to fry there's no yeah. question about it. it's just such a pain in the ass it's just unbelievable yeah yeah well it's it's moving along it's great to see that it's moving along um all right so uh we were off for the week uh appreciate you guys hanging with us uh adam and i went up to monterey car week always a great adventure um Meanwhile, Roadkill Nights and the Woodward Dream Cruise were happening as well, which we didn't go to, but there's definitely some news coming out of that event. There's a whole show out of that event. There's a whole show out of of Pebble Pebble Beach, too. So there is uh, a high point. I I, I know a lot of the the Monterey Car Week stuff. Uh, Adam will want to be here to to 
to chat about. He did tell <laughs> he did tell some stories this week on the Adam Carolla show. So listen to some of his stories on on ACS. Not really the car related stuff, just sort of the antics around uh, Car Week. So we'll get into the car related stuff on on Carcast. Um, but. You know, we brought the uh, the theme at the track at Laguna Seca was 100 years of Le Mans. Uh, so we brought the Porsche 935 out there, um, which it was great. And, and it worked. You know, it worked fine. We brought it home in one piece. Uh, it was – All that matters. That's, that's the good news. Um, we uh, ran into a bunch of great people, ran into a, a, a friends from the track that we see there all the year. The best of the best of cars were there. The big – like – um, like museum tent on site where they put all the Lamar cars in. Mm-hmm. Now, Adam's car was there as well, but we there's a few of us that race the car. So we pull it out of that museum tent to our paddock, work on the car, race it, bring it back, clean it up, top it off, fuel, put it back over there overnight, let people come see it in the morning. But just walking <laughs> around that tent uh, – you see Ferrari 275 GTBs. You see Ferrari 250 LMs. You see uh, a 1954 Mercedes Gullwings. But then you go through and you, in your head and you go back and you look at the banners. You're like, that's a that's a 250 LM, but that's a Lamar winning 250 LM, and that's the Lamar winning you know Mercedes. So you you take. $20 million cars, and you add the Lamar factor to it, and the price goes up significantly. I mean, I, that 275 is probably $50 million car. That that 250 LM with, with, with the big ass, and it's interesting because Adam's like, I like the muscle car-ish 250, you know, like, you know, with the big fenders and the, and the, the short window with the overhang. I was like, yeah, you it's like modern day that looks like a viper. And he's yeah. like, "Yeah, you're right. It kind of does." That car's 75 million bucks, the Lamar winning car. And then you walk over and you see this 1954 Mercedes and it and it kind of looks like the bathtub Ferraris, kind of like 356 mm-hmm. Ferrari. It's kind of it's very kind of bubbly, bubble top, and it is a Gullwing, but not the 300 SL that we all know, the long nose mm-hmm. and whatever. So it's got this crazy kind of Gullwing bubbleish thing with it, and you know the metal's a little wavy and it's a little dinged. And that was an overall Le Mans winner in 1954. Uh-huh. That car. So the most expensive Ferrari ever sold was the one that RM did sort of the private auction that Mercedes sold, hundred and I don't know forty two million dollars. Uh, and it's the most beautiful car out there, but it's not a Le Mans winner. This little bathtub of a car sitting under a tent, no ropes around it. Like it's just you go and you see all the cars, a hundred million dollars, <laughs> just a hundred million bucks, right? So we're we're walking up to this tent between Adam's car and uh, Bruce Myers Whittington Brothers nine thirty five parked next to us. Uh, some of the later model winners, there was the Panos that was at Le Mans, the Corvettes, and then the older cars, and then you know the really old cars. You know all the, the sort of the. You know, I, I call them the wooden wheel cars, the pre-war cars. Like those were all Le Mans winners and and stuff. There's hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars under this this display of I don't know thirty five or forty cars, something like that. I, I to, it would it would have been fun to kind of walk around and just like write them all down and guess, just like walk through with Donald Osborne, 
right? Yeah. And Bruce Canepa and go, what do you yep. think this is worth? What do you think this is worth? What do you think this is worth? Because we walked past three cars that were probably worth $250 million total. <laughs> you know, it, it was it was a sight to, to see. <clears throat> and then they had various run groups for the Lamar cars. Like Adam's run group was like uh, 79 to 80-something, you know, 78 to 80-something. So the Porsches, the Decon Monza, um, and then um, a lot of them were, were basically Lamar cars, Cobra. Uh, and then there were different year classes. So it was just the, – the whole weekend was just um, – just peppered with the best racing cars, but the best Lamar cars ever. Uh, and then uh, our Bob Gerritsen came out. And I, I this story, I mean, you've heard this story on ACS. We were teasing it a little bit. So if you heard ACS this week, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the short version. So Bob Gerritsen uh, was from Northern California, worked in tech, worked in computers or something, but was also a car builder and a racer. And he built Adams Porsche 935 before Newman. He built the car, raced the car, took it to Le Mans. I think it was at Le Mans. Maybe it was Daytona. Rolled it seven times. Oh, Jesus. Right, yeah. I think it was at Le Mans. Rolled it seven times. He walks away from it, scavenges all the parts and stuff that he can from this car, comes back to the United States, hooks up with, you know, the guys Dick Barber and Paul Newman and all them. He he orders a new tub from Porsche, just the body in white, basically for the tub. Bolts on as many parts as he possibly can from the original car. The tub is the zero zero nine thirty VIN number that we have now, and that car became the Paul Newman Lamar winning racing car. Right with with uh, with Stomlin uh, and uh, and and Dick Barber, and then after that, that became the Bobby Ray Hall car, the Brian Redmond car, and Bob Garrettson continued to race the car. Won Sebring, won Daytona, won the uh, uh, the Enduro Manufacturers Cup uh, Championship, which is a European race, and when he was racing it. He was so far ahead in the points, but money was scarce back then that he didn't go to the final race at Spa, Mm -hmm. right? But then he got a call, uh, I don't know from who, um, a teammate racing organization like, hey, you need to bring your car out here. You need to find a way because you're so far ahead in the points. If you just show up and get top five or better, you'll win the championship for the season. All you got to do is show up. So he he goes out and ends up finding a sponsor just enough to get the car over there. And then I think he ends up getting like first in his class and second overall and wins wins the championship. So uh, a couple of months ago, Bob Gerritsen, 89 years old, gives Adam a call. And he's like, hey, Adam, you know, it's Bob. Uh, You know, he lives in Virginia now. And he said, I I really want to come out to – to Laguna Seca, it would be fantastic if I can ride with you during one of the parade laps, the exhibition laps. So a couple times during the day, they take a lot of little Mar cars, new and old, and they put them all on the track, and you can do laps out there, right? It's just it's 
I don't want to say it's the lead follow, you know, duck run, but it's an exhibition run. Um, yeah. it, you'll go fast enough that the requirements are racing suit and helmet, but you can, you know, you can, you can bring a passenger and there's the old cars that do 60 miles an hour and the new cars that do 200 and something miles an hour. So it's, it's a great field and it's awesome to see. And, uh, he's like, can I ride with you in your 935? Adam's like, oh. Bob, that would you know be fantastic, but uh, but I don't want to put a second seat in the car. It's a fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> and uh, so Adam said, "So you know what, Bob? Come out to the track. You just drive it. You did. You know the car. You drive it." So Bob shows up to the track. This guy is so full of energy, so much vigor. He's so wonderful to talk to. He's talking with me and Adam and Sean and prepping the car and and he's. And everything is just just triggering in his brain again, like a pinball machine, just ding, 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 ding. And now he's like, oh, the rear. He's like, let me find my old mechanic. I think we got the camber specs for the rear. And, and oh, when back in the day, we ran this and we ran that. And, and he's, just, he's just an encyclopedia of information. And every word he speaks – you see three, four years of his life getting knocked back off of his life going, oh, now, you know, I'm 89 when I started this conversation. Now I'm 81. Uh, like he's just so full of energy. Uh, so we get out there Wednesday for practice. There's Thursday practice, Friday qualifying, racing on Saturday. And Adam's run group is eight. And then the exhibition class is right after that. So it's group nine, basically, or it's it's in between eight and nine. So it's kind of a, a, a quick turnaround here. Adam goes out Wednesday, practices. It's great. We pull into the pits quickly. Bob is there. His race suit's on, helmet, gloves. He's ready to go. And, you know, we're pulling Adam out of the car. It's a pain in the ass. We're squeezing Bob into the car. And, and you know, he doesn't bend quite as like he used to. <laughs> and, uh, and he's a big dude. He's, I don't know, 6'2", 6'1", 6'2". He's in good shape, but he's a stocky guy. And, you know, we get him in the car and uh, the car doesn't fire up. And uh, it, it just – it heated the starter. It's a bad solenoid. Something's going on. And by the time we figure it out, the run group's done. Uh, so we, we – you know, three of us pull Bob out of the car and he's like, it's okay. It's okay. And we're like, Bob, we got another shot tomorrow. Thursday rolls around. Uh, he's there. He's in the pit. He's suited up. He's ready to go. Adam's doing the practice. Laps are coming on and right up around the corkscrew. The car dies. Adam has enough, as he'd say, momentum to just get it down, coast right on into the pits and bring it right, almost right up into the, to the, to our paddock area. We just pushed it a little bit and uh, the car was dying. And then, you know, Bob took his helmet off and popped under the hood with the rest of us and had some thoughts. And Sean figured out something with the distributor. Um, and I, it's crazy because, like, the car died. That's the bad news. The good news is we popped the distributor cap off, which takes a little bit to get to. You got to take some shit off the engine. The rotor in there has a set screw on the side. That thing, some, it has a clip to hold it in place, but somehow that backs out, right? The clip wasn't grabbing. The, the screw mm-hmm. backs out. That makes the rotor spin around separate from the distributor. We're thinking we got to get a distributor, all kinds of stuff. We take the motor apart, pop the distributor cap off. 
the screw pops out into Sean's hand, undamaged. The rotor comes off undamaged, and the threads that go into the you know where the rotor is that set screw into the distributor. We thought, well, the threads are shot, so maybe we can retap it, or we need a new distributor. They're fine. Everything's fine. Just the screw backed out. And it's just, it just, the, the clip wasn't on there. Uh, it, the, the clip kind of broke loose, which is fine. The screw backs out after all that momentum and heat cycling, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we put the rotor back on, bend up the clip, a little thread lock, put the screw back in, and it fucking fires up flawlessly. I mean, nice. you know, it took, it took a few hours to, you know, not to figure it out, but there's some turbo tubing and things like that that need to come off to get to it. So it took a bit. So again, second day, Bob's all suited up, can't can't get in the car. Uh, Friday rolls around. Adam goes out, qualifies, brings the car back, uh, hops out of the car. We squeeze Bob in there. You know, uh, we push him out. He goes out. He does a few laps. He comes back. He's just grinning ear to ear. And and he's like, that was so much fun. You know, thank you for that opportunity to be able to see this car again, to get in this car again. And I go, that's fantastic, Bob, but bring your ass back tomorrow because there's another session. And uh, Adam goes out, races the car. I, he wasn't feeling comfortable. He was getting in his head about the brake pedal and he can't heel toe shift and walking around the tent in hundreds of millions of dollars a car. Finally, for the first time in his life. He started to do the math on what this car is worth and finished the race, did fine, wasn't the fastest guy out there by any means, um, but he just got a little in his head on that. And and a few months ago when we did the Trans Am race and Adam hit the water and, and, and spun out and hit the wall, like he was just in his head a little too much this time. But that just meant he brought the car back safely. Um, race was over. We get Bob in the car again and uh, – uh, he goes out with the group. This is Saturday. This is the main event. Crowds are there. Bleachers are full. And Bob's out there and he's hauling ass in the car and he's having the best time. And then instead of coming into the pits, I said, you know, we told Bob, it's like, Bob, just come in, turn right, go right to the big Lamar, you know, museum tent. And we'll mm-hmm. unload you there and with all the Lamar cars. He gets out of the car, you know, we're all uh, there helping him out. And he's got a tear in his eye. He's like, did you see me out there? He's like, I passed five people out there. And I was like, Bob, it's an exhibition. You're not supposed to pass anybody. He was hauling ass. <laughs> Nobody cared. People knew it was Bob Garrison. When he went out and we pushed the car out, like a crowd of people, just fans of Bob. You'll see it in some of the videos on YouTube. It's just all pushing the car out just to be a part of that experience. He gets out. He's tearing up. Of course, he's 89, so his adrenaline's pumping. He gets out of the car. He he damn near like wobbles and falls over. I'm like, un- un- unzip your suit, catch some air, have some water. And he was just... Just talking it up for thirty minutes, standing next to the car, and and awesome, it was man. such a great time. I'm so glad we were able to uh, to do that and, and talk with him. And I know he's just gonna, you know, on on the on the ride home, on the on the phone with his wife back in Virginia because she knew he was driving the car. Life, I you know, remember that. Uh, and this is a guy that you know. He's like, it all comes back to me. Each lap he's doing around that thing, he's knocking five years back off the clock and, and just having the best time. He was just uh, – it was great. And and uh, as Adam pointed out, he's he's old school. So you unzip that 
that driver's suit and you just got a big gray haired pork chop right there. There's no there's no long johns or anything underneath. <laughs> and he's just uh, that cool cool underlying. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I did use it the day of not using it now. <laughs> and it's like I don't want to overheat out there. So anyway, he had a great time. Um uh I, and really, really happy to be able to do that. Um, the other thing that came up, and I don't know how much I can say about this, but uh, Adam and I went to a dinner with some some people from Ford and Lincoln, and it was fantastic. Uh, Anthony, the new uh, global chief of design for Ford, uh, Kamal, who's the head of Lincoln Design, um, you know, uh, a number of other people there, and. You know, just sitting with Anthony, uh, you know, he lives uh, in London, um, has a house in France. He came from Renault and a bunch of other car companies. And and by the way, he drives – in France, he has the Mustang Mach-E electric. And then in London, his daily driver is exactly my car, fighter jet gray, Mach 1, 2021, manual, like that's his everyday driver there. Uh, just picking the brain of those guys, um, you know, Anthony especially, because Anthony's only been on the job about a year and a half. So other than a few tweaks on the front end of the Mach-E and a few things like that, all of his design influence coming from the top down because he's the head of all of it, mm-hmm. it, he's working on cars five years down the road, Right. Um, but I wanted to get into the conversation. I go, what is changing from the design standpoint on doing EVs versus the internal combustion engine cars, the, on the mm-hmm. ICE cars? And he was like, nobody's asked me that yet. That's such a great question. And we really got into it. And he said, well, for one, we can do a lot less overhang on the front. We don't have that engine there. We can push the wheels, that front axle forward more. We can get a longer wheelbase on a same size car. Uh, we got more room, have that battery underneath. And I started getting into things like, okay, but the battery and it's big and it's rectangular and it's the width of the car, the length of, of the car. I go, but now we have that flat floor. And then like, where do you put your feet? People in the back have their knees up high. And I was like, I know Porsche Taycan has figured some of this out with sort of this T-shaped uh, battery. And he's like, these are – you're absolutely right. You're, you're so good. He's like, these are the, all of the issues we're trying to work on now and how to put holes in the battery, work around it, and, and make it a more comfortable car. But uh, he had a lot of very, very interesting thoughts on on how just going to EV drastically changes the design and and – and yeah, we had a conversation about yeah, exterior design, longer wheelbase and stuff, but he's like it's the interior. It's like before the the outside of the car really kind of caught your eye, but now so many people spend so much time in the cars that the interior is a huge selling point. Not that it wasn't before, but it just the tides it's more have, of the equation now. Yeah, you know, the tides have turned a little bit that you you'll get into a car that's slightly ugly on the outside if the interior is fantastic. And as the owner of that car, you're like, yeah, but I spend 95% of my time in the car and only 5% looking at the outside. So now, like, w- what do I really want in the car? And that experience on the inside is is so important to uh, what they're doing. And I, I, he was said he was actually working on a project, and I don't know what it was specifically, where all of his sketches – 
because you're going, oh, we got a new car coming out. It's an SUV or a sedan or truck or whatever. And, you know, every art center student's like, oh, here's a here's the silhouette of the car that I'm thinking of. He didn't do any of that. He started doing the interior. And then he's like, how do I build a car around this interior? Yeah. And and I was like, this is this is good. This is interesting. So we're at the dinner with them. They're all fantastic. And, uh, you know, and there's a seat at the table at the head of the table. And I was we're kind of waiting for somebody else. And uh, Jim Farley uh, pops in and um, he's been at the track all weekend, racing Lamar cars, racing his Cobra. I think first in class in his Lola, second in his Cobra, only behind Dario Franchini. Right. So, yeah. so I, I think he's, I think he's okay with it. And uh, he shows up and you know, you want to drink Jim? No, no, no. Uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, you want something to eat? No, no, I, I just ate. I just had pizza with my kids. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I can't, I can't stay real long. I got to go put the kids' laundry in the dryer. <laughs> he's got to finish the laundry. He's got a house out there he's had for 30 years or something. Um, but he came up and he was telling great stories about his upbringing and how he came. And, and he would – he knew how to sew and I don't remember why, but he knew how to sew. So he got a job out here like sewing like – the interiors of French pre-war cars at, at a restoration oh. shop from Santa Monica. And, uh, you know, so we're just having this great conversation with him and he was getting ready to leave. And he's like, well, I've got some questions about podcasting because he has a podcast that he did and he interviewed some car guys. He just did like a season, doesn't do every week like we do. And his season two is coming up. And he was like, I love doing the podcast so much. And and I realized, oh, uh Ford and Lincoln like reached out to us and they said, Hey, do you want to join us for a, you know, kind of an intimate dinner and the whole thing? And I was like, Sure. And I realized it was because Jim Farley had podcast questions. <laughs> and so he sat with Adam and I for an hour and we're just trading stories. And uh, you just should have asked important behind the scenes questions for each podcast question he asked. I, so I was trying to get into that, but here's the thing. It's like there are so many other wonderful people at Ford that I can ask them car questions. All I wanted to do was get into like his background and how he got started and 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 driving the cars he's had and uh, how he moved up the ranks in the automotive space and why he wasn't a racing car driver or a restoration guy. He could have been a Bruce Kenepa or something, but – you know, how does how does that guy who's not even a Ford family member even work his way up to be the CEO of of this company? Like, I just wanted to get into that stuff with him. Uh, I mean, of course, after the dinner, Adam and I both got into our, you know, into our, our car uh, and went back to the to the house. And we both looked at each other and were like, where's a fucking microphone when you need one? We just wanted to record that whole conversation with him. And I'm sure he would do it on the air with us, but just having, you know, his guard down and just relax for an hour and not have to be like, you know, the meters running, you know, uh, uh, just to kind of get his attention, even walking around the track, he comes by, loves the car, says hi, but there's, there's always people pulling him around just, you know, like you walking around or Adam or Leno or anybody, you know, people there know who he is. So, and like his family was there and he was a judge at Pebble and he had cars on display at Quail and he was racing two cars at the track and he had you know, like 15 different there's so on. many things and you know his handlers are like you got to go here you got to go here you got to go here wheels up now and you got five minutes and you know like it's it's a it's a it's a thing like we get a little bit of that but we're mostly there 
on vacation than anything else. So, yeah. uh, anyway, that was a, a great conversation uh, to have with him. And uh, Eddie, he kicks ass out there. He's fast. He's so fast. Uh, so we sat down with um, with Gordon Murray as well. Chris is going to tell us at some point if that interview recorded. There was a little – oh, it worked. All right. So I just got the thumbs up. So I think we're going to air that as well uh, this week. Um, Gordon Murray. Yeah, we got into uh, – we got into McLaren F1. We got into T50, T33, the new car. And I was just – I know he's doing the rounds, doing the interviews and – uh, we were just trying to get to a few questions that maybe he hasn't been hit with. Um, you know, Adam, of course, was just like, you know, tell us some of the cars that that really kind of influence you on the design side. And he and he owns everything that he loves. So he was like, oh, well, in my collection, I have this and this and this. You'll have to hear it. And then being an engineer as well, I said, yeah, yeah, the design's good. But what cars have influenced you the most or impressed you the most on the technology, on the engineering side. Mm -hmm. And uh, he tells us some insight on that McLaren F1 that I did not know, uh, which is fan really, really fantastic. And basically why the T50, why now? He basically said when he did the McLaren F1, he felt like the engineering was so pushed to the limit on that car that technology would have to catch up for him to do something better. Yep. And and he goes, here we are. And I go, so I, it took 30 years to, to put the company together and the financials? Uh, He's like, no, really? it took 30 years for the engineering to catch up. To, to catch up. And so we, we get into that. So I think you guys will like that conversation as well. And hopefully you do. Um, I know Adam and I will get into more uh, uh, Monterey stuff over the next few weeks. Um, but I wanted to touch on that, especially the Bob Gerritsen story, because Adam already told it on, on ACS. But Roadkill Nights, some some big news coming out of Roadkill Nights. Uh, a lot of stuff going on there. Um, I think it kind of starts off with. Uh, I think the Durango? Hornet started off, didn't it? The Hornet or the or the. Well, that was like day two or day three. Yeah, so the Hornet is back. Um, I I I was saving kind of the specs and the details on that because that's going to be a production car that that is going to be out. It's an EV or plug-in EV. Uh, but you know, we were we were talking about the Durango. And the Durango Hellcat was basically being discontinued. You know, there was like the 2,000. We ran the whole campaign. It was like 2,000 trucks. They were trying to sell them out. And we're like, why, why, why? Because you can sell a lot. Simple answer. Rules, legal, emissions, blah, 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 right? It's, it's, it's all the rules. And their big announcement was like, we just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, trying to get this thing as legal you know, to to pass everything, emissions and whatever. And they're like, they got it done. So they're bringing back limited time only with like with everything with a gas engine. If you want a Dodge Hellcat Durango, Durango Hellcat, 710 horsepower. All the pesky regulations have been met. It's a badass truck, it, you know, bigger than the Jeep, but 
I've driven them. I think you've driven quite quite a few. And you know, for the three row hauler, it's a it's a, it's a monster. It's a monster of a truck. Um, so that's going to be available. Uh, then some Dodge Challenger news. Uh, you know, the guys at Dodge they love drag racing. They have released the drag pack rolling chassis. Right. So this is. A Dodge Challenger that you can take off-road drag racing, right? When I say off-road, you know what I mean. I don't mean street legal. I don't mean in the dirt. I mean off the road onto the track. It's a, it's a rolling chassis. Uh, it's certified to run 750s on the quarter mile, full uh, cage, uh, chromoly tubing. It's got the double adjustable suspension, um, four-link, strange nine-inch differential, all the strange Pro Series 2 uh, racing brakes, um, beadlock wheels. It's it's ready to go for the for the most part. You add the engine and transmission. So the whole rolling chassis is a uh, uh, ninety thousand bucks, right? Eighty nine nine ninety five. You can get that if you want to add your drivetrain and go out and do some 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 sport drag racing. Um, if you prefer to do all of that stuff on your own. They're going to offer a body in white, eight grand. You can just get the complete body package, no drivetrain, no suspension. You can build your own drag race car. Or in theory, I guess you could build your own hot rod of some sort. You know, you're going to have to – you could figure out, you know, the legality of it. Uh, and there's some there's some rules, right? We know the super performance guys. They, they, they make emissions legal cars. They can make 500 of them, whatever. But if you want to build your own hot rod, you can do that uh, – with a body in white for eight grand for seven nine ninety five, as opposed to buying a car or something wrecked and taking it all apart and selling yeah. off all the parts. If you just wanna, yeah, if you just want to start from scratch, you can you can do that. Um, so that's cool. Uh, direct connection. That's the, uh, the the basically like the mail order parts department that Mopar is doing. You talked about it a few times, trying to get some of the Goldberg's mm-hmm. garage stuff certified in there. Uh, They've got a whole slew of of parts coming out for the Challenger and the Charger, uh, supercharger kits, headers, transmissions. They have an upgrade kit um, that will feature a 2.7 liter supercharger from the Red Eye, as well as the 3 liter supercharger from the Helifant crate engine, right? So those packages will be available for your for your Challenger. Um They've got fuel systems to support those upgrades, exhaust to support those upgrades. Um, some of the drag race or road race only stuff. They've got the long tube headers, uh, things like that. They've got uh, transmission packages. They got the eight HP seventy or uh, from the Scat Pack car, or you can even upgrade to the bigger ninety, the uh, the eight HP ninety. So. Um, lots of great parts from there. I'm sure we're going to see all of this stuff in person at the SEMA show. SEMA show, absolutely. Right? Um, they've teamed up with Speedcore um, with uh, with some carbon fiber parts. We've you know we've worked with them before. We like those guys. They continue to build some cool stuff. They Ralph Jill's car is great. Kevin Hart's car. Uh, they're going to offer a bunch of carbon fiber parts for the Dodge Challenger. <coughs> Excuse me. They got a front splitter, rear spoiler. Lower diffuser, um, and they've got a full carbon fiber body 
right? You, you following around on Speedcore Instagram and Ralph Gilles, and you see that carbon fiber 70 charger that I think he built. Well, the whole point of that was to kind of R&D to offer a – like a body in white like we talked about, but a carbon fiber charger. So you can get a 1970 carbon fiber uh, charger. They're going to do the Plymouth Roadrunner and the Barracuda at some point. I can't imagine what sort of ungodly cost is associated with that. <laughs> Two hundred grand. Yeah, it's probably that would be my guess. Something crazy like that. But again, uh, if you have the means and you want something kind of unique, there won't be many of them out there. That's um, an understatement. And I think. and I I will say this. I like I like where Dodge Mopar. I like where their heads at with this going. It, we really want to support the aftermarket. It was kind of a weird thing. So. Um, Ford did this as well, where Ford was like, we got a good motorsports catalog. We got a Ford racing catalog, right? Mm-hmm. We got a lot of good parts. Around the Fox Party era, they're like doing GT40 heads and tubular intakes and stuff. And then things kind of like shut down. Someone's like, we want people to buy the cars, not touch them. And yeah. then somebody else came in, uh, head of Ford Performance Racing, were like, yeah, I feel like the aftermarket parts is a billion dollar a year industry. So yeah. let's stop fucking around and let's like <laughs> let's do Coyote crate engines and all these performance upgrades and the and the suspension packs from the track pack cars make them available. So I mm-hmm. like that they're doing that. Dodge is all in on this, of course. Chevrolet's um, Chevy Performance crate engine division, their catalog is massive. This is big business, right? This is mm-hmm. these are. This is hundreds of millions of dollars a year in business or billion-dollar uh, businesses that are there. So I like that they're all um, supporting this. Well, now they're all squeezing the blood out of the term. Yeah, they, they are, yeah. <laughs> they are. Well, we all still own these cars just because the government's like, ah, we can't make the ICE cars anymore after a few years. We're like, well, we still own them. You know, We're still going to modify them and work on them. Yep. I want to talk about the – and I want to get your opinion on this third-party Coachworks doing the convertible, com- the conversion on the Challengers through through Dodge. Um, I called my, <clears throat> because I think it's a, I, I think it's a good-looking car. And to harken back on like my '70 convertible, yeah, that I, I loved that car, right? And I'd love to recreate that on the new version, but question would be down the road what's the value of that vehicle um so i called my brother yeah who owns, who, who i thought used a third party coach works signed off by ferrari to do his daytona but i was sadly mistaken and fortunately i was mistaken because his is one of the 156 daytonas that were originally you know convertibles so he didn't incur that. But what's what's your opinion about that? Yeah. So we've seen a few of these coachwork companies in the past do do a pretty good job on the convertible conversions. But have they um, been affiliated with the manufacturer? No. Some have like sort of a, an endorsement or a sign off or some sort of blessing. And you know, a good guy to talk to about this is a Brad Fanshawe, my co-host on yep. Shift and Steer, because. Running Boyd Coddington Garage and and being really really involved in the eighties and nineties in that in that 
era, he knows all of the companies and he'll be like, this car never worked out good. This car did work out good. So what you're talking about is Dodge essentially offering a convertible version of the Challenger, of the 2023 Challenger. Now, I think this has some potential to be worth some money. The way they put it together is you go to your Dodge dealer. That's what I think. You order your Dodge Challenger. You check off convertible option. Dodge takes your car off the assembly line, <clears throat> uh, which I guess is in Canada that they're doing it. And it, the car gets sent to Drop Top Customs. They do the conversion on it, and then the car gets finished and then sent to the dealer where you made that order from. Who right. finishes the vehicle. After it gets the conversion, does it go back? It can't go back to the factory. I, I think the completed car gets sent to Drop Top Customs, and then they do the, the conversion on it. Uh, now, at some point, as you basically indicated, at some point, Dodge has signed off on this conversion. Mm-hmm. They they probably worked with them on how to make it done, had a lot of uh, input on structural integrity and Everything. and all, all of this stuff, right? Uh, you know, how would it how would it survive in, in, a, in an impact, where to reinforce, uh, fit and finish? So, you know, I I, I don't know that the finished project is going to be, you know, like a brand new Mercedes SL. I mean, but I, but I would imagine that it goes back to your to the it goes straight to the dealership before it goes to the consumer. I love that. Aspect. That's it. You, you take delivery at your Dodge dealer. So you're so ordering the car built, but but you kind of can. Right. So, and I mean, how I understand it is. All of these Dodge cars, convertibles or otherwise, everything is going to be well-documented and numbered, right? So I would imagine, yes, that's going to be the case. They don't know how many convertibles they're going to do, but you will know. Did you get three? at When they're done doing it, did you get number three of 50 made? Did you get number 10 of 100 made? Did you get you know, number one of seven made? Like You will know these numbers at some point. That's what mm-hmm. they're telling us. Um, and there's no reason why to not know that. But, yeah, I think Dodge's endorsement, the fact that you're ordering it from the dealer and Dodge basically quarterbacks this. This isn't the dealer going, we have a shop and we'll cut the top off and we'll modify yeah, I mean, it. The way that it sounds like they've set this up, it couldn't be much better if, you know, other than being performed all within the factory yeah. wall. There is a know? catch. It's twenty six thousand dollars. Yeah, but you're you're pretty. I don't know. I mean, what do you think the percentage of people are going to pay the twenty six grand? So it's a you get a red eye, eighty seven, ninety thousand dollars. So it's one hundred and twenty thousand at the end of the day. Car. How many people are going to do that? But right, I I think I, I think you get that money back. I think if you built one of these cars and you rolled this thing out to you know the auction block in three years. I, I think you get the money back. I think, I think you, I think you at least get your all your money back. I don't, I yeah, don't know no that right away. That, you're gonna. I don't think it's a it's a crapshoot. You know, as far as what the value is going to be above retail, what you paid for it. You know, that's that's all up for. You know, 
conjecture, but I, I believe you'll be able to truthfully, you know, as an owner of a plethora of them, uh, I think just to have that version in a convertible and experience it and enjoy it is money well spent. I, I, I agree. Look, you can, you can get a Z06 in a convertible. You can get, you know, all, you can get a lot of hot rods in a convertible. Why not just go for wide body, red eye, you know, like, like you said, it's an investment car. Anybody doing this is going to have some money. Get the hundred thousand dollar challenger, throw the 26 grand into the, into the drop top. If you're a drop top guy, right? If it's you, such a different experience, it's yeah. a completely different experience. And to have that experience as an option for that vehicle, I think that's bitching, you know, it's just you quite obviously have to look at, you know, the process. And I agree with the process. You know, I think it's going to uh, – I think it's an option, unfortunately. Damn it. <laughs> I wish I heard some bad news about it being built. That yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, I heard it. I heard they're a terrible bill. I don't know. I, uh, That's what I was <laughs> yeah. looking for. Yeah. I, I think you're going to lose money on that deal. <laughs> I think it's bitching. I, I, I think it's really cool. Dude, I think it's. Could you imagine a, a, a black wide body convertible? You know, uh, red eye. That's yeah, yeah. That's bitching, man. Yeah, I dig it. I, I it. You'd cry out here. Yeah, you know, you'd melt. <laughs> you'd melt. Um, okay, so Dodge is saying that. Uh, in addition to the Dodge Challenger, the convertible, the Dodge brand will be le- unleashing seven other new models for the 2023 model year. They're trying to go out with a bang. We don't know all of the information on it. I think uh, SEMA, maybe Detroit Auto Show, maybe LA Auto Show. We're going to get some more announcements over the next few months. Um, all all kind of interesting stuff. There's more to, to read into this. There's the jailbreak cars. There's all the new colors and the options. The jailbreak car, which you can go to the website and you can build it now, I believe, at, at, at Dodge, is it It allows you to just kind of pick all of the colors and stuff that you want and brake calipers and whatnot. The 14 exterior colors for 2023. Um, they're bringing back uh, Plum Crazy, uh, the purple, Destroyer Gray, uh it gives you the ability to get that one of one, right? Yeah, so you know, you get the ugliest calipers, and you get you know <laughs> purple, and just this, you know, like they did back in the day. And and you can order one so ugly that you're assured that no one else is going to do it, and then you have a one of one. That's that's wonderful to have all those options. The know? the jailbreak stuff is available on the red eyes and the non red eyes. So if you want the red eye. You can still pick the color combinations, the wheels, the badging colors, mm-hmm. uh, stripes, all of that stuff that you you can put on the red eye. You can you can do retro stuff. You can do a jailbreak convertible. Yeah, why? Uh, I I well, guess well, you could. Yeah, you could well, custom. You can custom order your jailbreak car, and then I'm sure they're not the going to say, offer. "Hey, we don't want your twenty six thousand dollars." Well, look, I. I do agree with you on this. If you're going to get a convertible, if someone's going to order the convertible. Right now, I say you order the most custom jailbreak version of the car you can come up with and then the convertible. So at the end of the day, if there's only 10, 12, or 50 of these convertibles, you cross your fingers and you're like, well, hopefully this is the only one ever ordered this way. Like black, black is cool, but maybe you want to 
change things up a little bit here and there to to try to make it as unique as possible. You know, yes. so that's a thought. Um, all right, so and that's something extremely simple, right? So you order the goofiest looking package and assure that no one is ever going to replicate that to be that one of one, and then you change your pink calipers and you put black ones on. <laughs> right, right. That's another thing. Right? So you order right. it, order it over the top if you want, and then and then do what Why you want and go back. Uh, okay, so. Um, we can't spend like two minutes on this electric charger. Yeah. Uh, we I, gotta save that for next time. We're gonna have to save that for next time. But I wanna get into this electric charger. Um I will say I will say this. Find the photos of the car, really look at the photos of the car because at the initial glance uh for example, you you see kind of this flat kind of front kind of challenger grill. Look at that thing. That's not real. It's a floating wing with a grill behind it, and the air goes through it and acts as like a spoil, right? And and the air like the aerodynamics twenty five percent increase in aerodynamics on this car. Um, the sound that they're going to be doing the uh, all wheel drive. All they can tell us right now is it's going to be every bit as as good and as fast and as is performance oriented as any Hellcat that's out there. So um, this, I will say this, is it definitely creates some excitement for a potential EV. Uh, I think, uh, you know, this is a concept. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, how much of this can go into production? What's street legal? What's, you did know. Did you notice a two-door charger? I did notice two-door charger for sure. Um, now, Sales history would indicate the four door charger would be the way to go and go with the Challenger two door because they outsell the Challenger two almost three to one, right? Mm-hmm. You have the charger; it's pretty much one of your favorite daily cars before the before you move to Texas and got monster trucks before the TRX. But look, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but back here when you were in SoCal, it was Charger every day. It was right. Like you got miles on your charger. Like as far as like getting into the car and loading up the kids and the baseball gear and everything else, like charger was the car you were driving. Oh yeah. Right. And people caught on to that. Like, I get it. It's four door, but this is, this is the badass sedan that I want to drive. So, um, we're going to dig into this EV some more, uh, next week. It very, it looks interesting. If, if some of this goes into production, uh, the arrow, the, you know, just some of the things that they're thinking for the future. Um, uh, I'm, I dig it. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on board Absolutely. with that. They, they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish with that rollout. I think. Uh, so that's it. So big August Monterey car week, roadkill nights, Woodward dream cruise. There's tons more information flowing out of those events. It's probably going to take a few weeks for us to, to, to catch yeah, up on, on everything, but that's all right. We're not in, we're not in too much of a rush, but, uh, uh, I think that's it for today. Um, what do you think? Anything else we're missing? Well, it has poured down rain and stopped since we've done this podcast. Get out there. Start pouring cement. <laughs> Be good, my friend. All right, guys. Thank you so Keep much. Keep the air in your hands on the wheel. That's it. Keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. See you next week. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. 
CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Do you own, do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. All month long, the biggest movies are streaming free on Pluto TV's Popcorn Summer Movies. Watch star-studded blockbusters like Titanic and Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Or fall in love with charming rom-coms like Hitch and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. The best part? Pluto TV is 100% free. No credit cards, not even a sign-up. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of channels with thousands more movies, TV shows, and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.